When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for your presence here with us in this space, and we pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of this scripture, your holy word. Where we are empty, would you fill us? Where we are weak, would you strengthen us? Where we are wrong, would you correct us? And would you send us out once more? And God, I pray for myself that you'd speak through me or in spite of me, but may it be your message that's delivered. We love you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all God's people say, Amen. I love bluebell ice cream. Can I get an amen? amen? There's nothing like it. When I was considering a seminary, I visited Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. And if you know anything about Wilmore, probably most of you don't, it is this little bitty town with one stoplight, one little Mayberry Street, a university, a seminary. Not many people live in Wilmore except for students that are there. Uh, and the Lord confirmed to me that this is where I needed to be in many ways, many ways. I enjoyed my visit to the school campus, but in his own mysterious way, the way he affirmed it was in a way I was surprised to find out. After experiencing a lot of good things, auditing a class, meeting teachers and students that were there, I walked by myself down to the little main road and walked down this street. I had never been in a little town this small and I was trying to explore and I came across a drugstore. Now, I've never even seen a drugstore, right? I've seen pharmacies, but I've never seen a drugstore. And so I see this thing, I'm like, wow, I've only seen this on TV. Let's go see what this is like. What's in here? And I, I walk in and much to my surprise is there is a counter that serves food and Coke floats. And behind the bar, it had a big bluebell sign. And this Texas boy thought, I'm at home. This is where I want to be. 
During my time there, Lauren and I, uh, we were hired as kind of sometimes paid, sometimes volunteer youth pastors at a little rural church in eastern Kentucky, and we had the joy of doing life with a few families. There wasn't many kids in this church, and there's one family in particular that would spend all day with us on Sunday, and we just kind of did life with them. We would go out to eat with them. We would explore Mount Sterling, Kentucky with them and hear about their life story. And one day in conversation, we found out that they had never heard of this thing called Bluebell. And we thought we need to bless this family. And so we went and found some Bluebell in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and we made Coke floats and root beer floats right there in the church. And it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. Because why? Because this whole time they had only known the imitation of the real thing. And we got to introduce them to the real thing and their life will never be the same. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, that they still talk about that day. Why do I open with this illustration? Well, because... In many ways, we know what it's like to know an imitation and then finally find the real thing. But also what's fascinating about us is even after we find the real thing, sometimes we settle for the imitation over and over again. And in Jesus, Jesus in John chapter six is going to face right up front to confront with those that have settled for imitations of the real thing. And is gonna invite them to come back to the real thing that satisfies, and that's him himself, the bread of life. So let's set the scene a little bit. At this point in John 6, Jesus and the disciples are deep into ministry by this time. Huge crowds are traveling to see him. They are coming around the Sea of Galilee, as the beginning of John 6 tells us, and the world is hearing of the miracles that are taking place around Jesus, and they want to come and see. They're hungry. They're hungry to see what's happening, whether by curiosity or whether by seeing if it's true and testing the veracity of it, or maybe because they're desperate for a miracle themselves, and so they go, and they gather around Jesus. And in the beginning of John 6, the crowds begin to gather here and Jesus tests his disciples right here at the feeding of the multitudes. Maybe you've heard the story and in the other gospels, there's something interesting that it says Jesus has compassion on the crowds, but that's not how John's gospel tells the story. Instead of having compassion, though I'm sure he did, his focus is on testing the disciples about whether or not they know the imitation or whether or not they know the real thing. And so the scriptures tell us that he turns to his disciple, Philip, and he says this in verse five. Philip, where should we buy bread for all of these people to eat? And Philip says, my Lord, it will take a year and a half of wages to provide this meal for these people. And so you know the story, Jesus proves them that it's not a year and a half wages, but it's the son of man that's gonna take a lunch pail from a little child and be able to bring enough food to feed everyone that is there. But now fast forward a little bit to our text that we read today, and we find Jesus on the other side of this lake and on the other side of this experience. And by the way, he literally walked across this lake in between these two uh, stories. And he picks up on the testing of his disciples. And he says, listen, you guys are looking for me, but you're looking for me for the wrong reasons. And verse 27 gives the corrective push from Jesus when he says, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. And then their response is immediately performance-based, which I love this because we can relate to it. As Jesus corrects his disciples, they go, oh, we got it wrong? Well, what do we do to get it right? Have you ever thought about it that way? How do we get right here? And really, honestly, today everything is about doing. Something is stale, let me try something else. Something needs to change, let me pick up another devotional. Let me go to the bestsellers list on Amazon and let's get another devotional and hopefully it'll spice things up for us. I need a new Bible study or maybe I need to change the time I pray in the morning. And what Jesus is correcting is not what they're doing, but he corrects how they're being. He wants to correct a disposition of their heart. Look at verse 29. Jesus answered, you're asking about all of these works. And Jesus says, the work, the singular work is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Juxtaposed against everything else they had been believing. Juxtaposed against all of the other works that they had tried. But in typical fashion, they seem to continue to miss it which we can relate to as well, if we're honest. Don't leave me alone up here today, church. We can continue to miss it. And so they respond, well, how do we know we're doing it right? What sign will you give? Moses gave bread in the wilderness. What will you give us to know that we are in line with what you've called us to be? And this leads Jesus to his first I am statement in the Gospel of John. And it's incredibly profound in this context. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In typical fashion, Jesus seems to not answer their questions at all, but actually answer them, right? Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. I am what you're searching for. He is the source of eternal life. More importantly, he is what they are looking for even when they don't know they are searching or to what ends. As the great Saint Augustine puts it beautifully to begin his confessions, for you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. By my estimation in John 6, there's two errors that the disciples are making here in this passage. And maybe two errors that might challenge us today when it comes to our diet. I believe that the disciples are being challenged because on one hand they have a faulty diet and on another hand they are being challenged because they have misguided consumption even when they're eating what they're supposed to be eating. Y'all, bluebell is good, but we can eat bluebell in the wrong way. Come on church, we can. And so it seems to me there's two errors of the audience of Jesus in John 6, the faulty diet and the misguided consumption. Let's talk about the faulty diet. He calls it spoiled food, which could be consuming the wrong things. And in many ways, we consume the wrong things. Drink, food, luxury, Netflix benders or bluebell pints or gallons, if we're honest, political talk shows, podcasts, we have a steady diet of the wrong thing and we are surprised when we are depleted. I personally hit a point in January of this year where I knew that I was really unhealthy. Not just because I gained some weight, though I did, 
but because I was sluggish and felt terrible throughout the day. I couldn't say no to the brownies that you so wonderfully just drop in our kitchen up here on the second floor every single week. I stayed up too late to watch a meaningless TV show to escape reality for a little while. And it didn't happen overnight. It was years in the making. It was a slippery slope. And at the other end of it, I was a mess. I just couldn't get myself to make decisions or move in a direction that I wanted to. Why? Because I was eating spoiled food. And it may not be food or drink for you. If you've ever found yourself woefully desperate at the end of a political cycle or an election, maybe we're eating the wrong food. If you've ever been obsessively worried about things that you actually can't control, maybe we're eating food that spoils. If we check our stock profile daily but don't know how to read scripture or pray, maybe we're eating the wrong food. C.S. Lewis says it like this, our desires are not too strong, but they're too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer at a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And we are disillusioned because we keep going back to the mud pies even though the invitation to the holiday at the sea is there for us. Some of us need to wrestle with this challenge that maybe we're actually eating the food that spoils. The second error I see in John 6 is that the disciples are challenged because they have misguided consumption, that that they're consuming the right things, but maybe in the wrong ways. Look at verse 28. They ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? See, the other error in this passage are those looking to do the right thing, to consume good things, but maybe for the wrong reasons, treating the men, the means as the end. If I can just consume enough of the bread, if I consume it every day, then I can be close to God. This person's addiction is more subtle and harder to point out. Chasing Bible studies and daily devotionals to try and get something out of it rather than finding the one who is at the other end of it. I find a symptom of this is often the folks, and myself included, when we want the choir and the preacher to make us feel something on Sunday morning, instead of leading us to worship the one who is present. Oftentimes when we are here, our prayer is give us this day our daily bread, and it's a good prayer, but it's not when it's the only prayer that we pray. And it overshadows everything else. I think COVID was a gift in many ways to the church. Now, don't hear me wrong. It was terrible. And it was a dark and hard place for us to walk through. And many of us suffered and lost people that we love at the hands of it. But as we believe in our faith that Jesus can bring resurrection in the hardships and the difficulty. And one of the ways that I think God has helped us through COVID is to reveal to us a place in the church where we have depended too much on the church instead of depending on Jesus himself. 
And I think this was revealed to us when we were forced to stay home and to be away from one another, we realized that we were actually depending on their church for our daily consumption of Jesus. We didn't know what to do without her, her being the church. And honestly, you're not just talking about Marvin, but the greater church in the West, the temptation for the church in the midst of COVID was to produce more content for you to consume because that's all we had done was created consumers instead of followers of Jesus. And so let's not waste this opportunity for us to see the ways in which we have been raising up people to consume the ends instead of seeing them as a means to an end, and that is Jesus, the bread of life. But both of these, the faulty diet and the misguided one, lead to the same place, and that's emptiness. That's why he says in verse 29, the work of God is this. You are asking what all of the things that you need to do. And Jesus says, this is the work. This is the one thing for you to believe in the one that he has sent. For you to see that the bread is here, but it leads to me as Jesus says it. Jesus says, and John's gospel says over 90 times this word that's translated to believe. The word in Greek is this pistevo or different conjugations of it. Not one single time will you find the Greek word that's translated to faith, the word pistis in the, go in the gospel of John, which is fascinating because it doesn't talk about the noun of faith in John's gospel. It always talks about this action of believing, this present and vital trust, devotion in Jesus. It happens over and over and over again, calling the disciples, calling the audience, and calling us to believe and trust, to obey, to walk, to have a continuous and present vital trust in Jesus. And too often we've reduced belief or faith to a static thing, to an intellectual ascent, to this idea or concepts that we hold to and we miss that we're called to walk with him, to go with him. And maybe the calling for us today is to remind ourselves that believing in Jesus is an active, continuous, and vital trust in the one who God has sent into the world. That's the bread of heaven that is here for us. And so I ask you and I ask myself today, how do we know that we've fallen into a faulty diet? Well, it's simple, really. Are you walking in life? Because he says, I am the bread of life that brings eternal life into the world. And if you come in this place today and you're like, I don't have life, it's probably because our diet is off. And truth is, many of us came in here tired today hung over from overconsumption of things that don't quite do it, imitations of the real thing, pursuing it in relationships or extracurricular activities, tired because we have believed that if we meet the right person or if we live a certain life or if retirement looks a certain way, and these are all mud pies. And some of us feel spiritually sluggish today, and maybe it's because we've been trying so hard to diet in the wrong way and finding that it's actually empty. We're trying to whip ourselves into shape by trying our spirituality on like a New Year's resolution every couple of months. 
When John 6 tells us that hunger and thirst, they are metaphors to tell us of the human need to know God and only God. To know the creator and the one we were made for, the lovers of our souls. And John 6 also tells us that those who come to Jesus, the bread of life, those who believe in him, they find God. They find that he is the truth. They find that he is the bread of life. They find that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is the son of man, that he is the God man, the first and the last, the one who is before all things, in all things, and sustains all things. He is the one who truly satisfies. Are you tired today, church? And listen, one last clarification, lest I be misconstrued today. Jesus does not come just to make us feel copacetic about life. Some of us will encounter the holy and be shook to the foundation and challenged with much of our lives today. But it's because we have to face the fact that we've been given our lives to things that don't satisfy and we're being called to more. Sometimes it hurts to walk away from the mud pies so that we might enjoy the holiday at the sea. But this is about healing and wholeness and death always comes before resurrection. In the end, we start where we began, the feeding of the thousands. All of those who came, they hungered whether physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually, or maybe just hungered in curiosity, they came to Jesus to see what he was all about. And Jesus fed them all, the masses. They, the masses were not too much for him. You are not too much for him. He fed all, but he also fed each individually their plenty and there was more left. You are not too much for him today. Jesus, the bread of life, is here today. Even as we come to this table, he is here today. So feast, but let the meal reveal to you the host who has invited you to the table. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let all God's people say, amen.